You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Taliban has effectively taken control of Afghanistan, and the fall of Kabul is likely to have a quick near-term effect on all forms of security. The Indra Group's actions against Iranian interests suggest the potential of non-state politically motivated actors. Crooks return almost all the money rifled from DeFi provider Poly Network. A new C2C service tells hoods if their altcoin is clean. Deep Blue Magic is a new strain of ransomware. Chris Novak from Verizon on advancing incident response. Rick Howard is taking on orchestration in this week's CSO Perspectives podcast. And T-Mobile investigates claims of a data breach. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, August 16th, 2021. Taliban yesterday took Kabul and announced from the presidential palace the restoration of the Emirate of Afghanistan. The effective collapse of Afghanistan's government Sunday and the country's general fall to the Taliban obviously represent a humanitarian disaster. U.S. President Biden intends to address the fall of Kabul later this afternoon. The details of the Taliban's swift return to power after the withdrawal of U.S. forces are beyond the scope of our coverage, but the implications of the fall of Kabul for cybersecurity will become clearer over the coming weeks. ABC News reports that from the U.S. point of view, it seems to have been more policy failure than intelligence failure, or at least an intelligence failure in the sense that, as sources in the U.S. intelligence community said anonymously, that their assessments were disregarded. General Sir Nick Carter, chief of the UK defense staff, told ABC News that the situation would inevitably embolden Islamist radicalism both in Afghanistan and elsewhere. If we end up with a scenario where state fractures and you end up essentially with a security vacuum, then there's absolutely the ideal conditions for international terrorism and violent extremism to prosper yet again. Go to ABC News and listen to the entire interview. The Taliban's ascendancy may also augur an increase in newly emboldened Islamist activity in cyberspace. 
Historically, that had been largely concentrated on recruitment and operational planning, then on radicalization and inspiration, and, of course, on website defacement. Website defacement is unlikely to rise above the nuisance levels it achieved earlier. Whether sufficient talent has or will be attracted to the movement to mount more disruptive or destructive attacks remains to be seen. And, of course, a surge in radical inspiration in cyberspace can be expected to follow any Islamist success, and the fall of Afghanistan is a major Islamist success indeed. An example of what a non-state actor can accomplish in the ways of politically motivated cyber attacks may be seen in Iran's recent experience. Security firm Checkpoint has more on the Indra Group, an Iranian opposition group it believes to have been responsible for recent cyber attacks affecting Iran's rail system. Some of the effects amounted to taunting defacement in station message boards. But Checkpoint says that there was more to it than that. The group deployed wipers against some of its targets, and the code suggests that they were also behind operations against a range of companies in Syria during 2019 and 2020. The company said, quote, Checkpoint analyzed artifacts left by the cyber attack on Iran's train system, learning that the attack tools were technically and tactically similar to those used in malicious activity against multiple companies in Syria, end quote. The New York Times thinks the incidents illustrate the growing capability of non-state actors. Quote, An opposition group without the budget, personnel, or abilities of a government could still inflict a good deal of damage. End quote. The Wall Street Journal reports that the thieves have returned almost all of the over $600 million taken from Poly Network. All but about $33 million has been returned with the outstanding balance entirely in Tether tokens that Tether had frozen in an attempt to recover its funds. Reuters confirms that Poly Network has offered the hackers a $500,000 bug bounty. The company has also publicly thanked the hacker, whom they refer to as Mr. White Hat, for helping them improve their security. A question. Is this a case in which the distinction between a bounty and an extortion payoff amounts to a distinction without a difference? It seems unlikely that a criminal would swap $600 million for 500000 so the crooks may have felt the approach of the law and decided that discretion was the better part of valor. On the other hand, half a million bucks is an awfully big bounty. We imagine that there's more to this story. As authorities and victims of various forms of online fraud have shown an ability to track and claw back ill-gotten altcoin, a subsector of the C2C market has emerged, offering to verify that cryptocurrency being used for illicit purposes is clean, untrackable, and unrecoverable. The BBC reports that the analysis firm Elliptic has found and looked into a service on the darknet that's designed to do just that. Elliptic told the BBC, quote, it's called anti-analysis, and criminals are now able to check their own Bitcoin wallets and see whether any association with criminal activity could be flagged by authorities. End quote. So far, it's imperfect, but of course, that can be expected to change should anti-analysis proprietors be unmolested to improve their product. Heimdall, the security company named for the guardian of Asgard's Rainbow Bridge, late last week described a new strain of ransomware, Deep Blue Magic, 
that abuses a legitimate third-party disk encryption tool by initiating but not finishing the encryption process. Deep Blue Magic disables security software before beginning encryption, subsequently deleting its own executables, rendering it resistant to forensic analysis. Heimdall says that it's found a way of restoring affected systems, but Deep Blue Magic will bear watching. Various ransomware gangs are actively exploiting the print nightmare Windows vulnerability, CyberScoop reports. CrowdStrike last week reported that Magnabur operators were using the vulnerability against targets in South Korea. A little later, Cisco Talos described how the Vice Society, a criminal group that made its creepy bones by hitting school districts and healthcare organizations, has also turned to print nightmare. This particular vulnerability has proven unusually difficult to fix. Microsoft, and we disclose that Microsoft is a sponsor of the CyberWire, has both patched various aspects of the print spooler issue and recommended that users disable this particular service. And finally, T-Mobile is investigating a criminal's claim to have breached a very large set of customer data, possibly 100 million fulls, held by the mobile company, Reuters reports. As we speak today, that investigation remains in progress, and we'll have some updates and industry reactions in this afternoon's pro-privacy briefing. One effect of the story, however, was already evident by late morning. Barron's reports that T-Mobile stock was down by 3.5% in early trading. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business.
And joining me once again is Rick Howard. He is the CyberWire's chief security officer, also our chief analyst. But more important than any of that, he is the host of the CSO Perspectives podcast, (laughs) which is part of CyberWire Pro. Rick, it's always great to have you back. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate that. So on this week's CSO Perspectives, you are talking about orchestration. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that you have not replaced Dimitar Nikolov as the musical director for the Philharmonia Orchestra in our great city of Baltimore. So what exactly is going on here, Rick? Well, you're right about that, Dave. I had just under three years, count them, three of my mom force marching me to accordion lessons when I was just a wee lad. So <laughs> I'm unless sorry. the Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, boy. Unless we want to, you know, uh, uh, the people of Baltimore want to hear a 55-year-old rendition of it. That's a moray, okay? I think it's best that I stay off the stage. Where and, the young ladies lined up around the block when they heard they, you playing the accordion. I can only imagine. They absolutely did, yeah. And yes, uh, I want to make that perfectly clear to everybody. I said accordion lessons. Yes, that was okay. accordion. Well, I learned something new here today. And uh, <laughs> in addition to the endless pit of talent that you bring to the CyberWire, which never ceases to amaze me, uh, what exactly is going on here when we're talking about orchestration? Yeah, we're talking about orchestrating the security stack. And so how do you maintain an update with high velocity, all of that software and hardware you're using to implement things like, you know, zero trust and intrusion kill chain prevention, resilience and risk forecasting? Well, you know, I'm no expert when it comes to these things, but are, are you saying to me that security people shouldn't just remotely log into these systems and just start making changes manually? I mean, come on. What, what, what is the better way? <laughs> you know, I, I, I sad face. I think a lot of people are still doing that, all right, because the crux of it is that there are many different approaches, but none have really caught on as the community's best practice that most of us are using. We have everything from using a standard DevOps model to using our SOAR SIEM tools to sort of bridge to the DevOps model, to installing a single vendor orchestration platform from one of the big firewall vendors, and finally, Hmm. maybe moving our entire organization over to some SASE architecture. And I realized that I just threw a metric ton of acronyms at everybody, all right? So, (laughs) but if they want to find out what all that means, they should just come listen to the show. All right. Well, it is CSO Perspectives. It is part of CyberWire Pro. You can find out all about that on our website, thecyberwire.com. And uh, not only is he a chief security <laughs> officer, he is an accordion player. Accordion, the chief, accordion, the chief ex- accordion player officer. extraordinaire. That's right. That's right. Rick Howard, thanks for joining us. You betcha, sir. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. 
And joining me once again is Chris Novak. He's the Global Director of Verizon's Threat Research Advisory Center. Chris, it's always great to have you back. Um, I wanted to touch today on incident response. I know you and your team have been focused on this lately. It's something where um, you're looking on uh, advancing your capabilities there. What can you share with us? Sure. Yeah, always great to be on the show, Dave. Thanks again. So yeah, we're, we're always looking to try to figure out what it is that we can be doing to evolve our capabilities, evolve the kind of outcomes that we can bring to, to clients when they're looking for help from an incident response perspective. And, you know, when we look at things, you know, there's been the historical, traditional way of doing things. You'd, you'd, you'd go on site, you'd grab disk images. Heck, I remember back in the early days, I mean, these are real early, early days. I'm dating myself here, but um, we, we'd go on site with a, you know, a binder full of floppy disks to boot up a system and then you'd have a, a hard drive you'd try to pull that data down on and it would take seemingly weeks to, to grab a forensic image. And obviously things have right. evolved substantially since then. <laughs> things have gotten so much faster. Um, but we're trying to obviously move away from that entire model altogether. Now, almost everything we do is um, able to be done remotely. We're able to extract a lot of triage data from systems without ever having to actually physically lay hands on them. But one of the things we're trying to extend beyond that is, you know, obviously everybody knows Verizon as a giant telco. One of the things we're trying to take advantage of is is some of our new capabilities around things like 5G um, and how we might Mm. be able to integrate 5G connectivity and the speeds that that brings with our ability to provide a client with out-of-band data collection, right? So think of it as, you know, historically, if we had to pull a lot of data out of an environment for incident response purposes, or we wanted to stream data out while there was maybe a live incident going on and we didn't want it going in and out the same pipes or crossing the same east-west corridors within their network because, you know, maybe the threat actor is looking at it. Maybe the, the threat actor has access to some of their infrastructure, being able to drop in essentially a 5G uh, a transmitter will allow us to actually be able to take that data and provide that organization with a complete out-of-band mechanism of us being able to interact with them and them being able to interact with us and being able to do it at you know gigabit plus speeds. And that's something that just historically you just couldn't do before. You know, the shift we've seen, I'd say the accelerated shift that we've seen to the cloud, thanks to so many uh, organizations responding to covid Does that make your life easier as well? As you say, you don't necessarily have to be on site. Yeah, it actually does. Um, So I think that it makes our life easier in a couple of ways. One is, you know, we're finding an increasing number of organizations have either already moved or in the process of moving to cloud and replicating data from their instance to ours for purposes of doing, you know, incident response or investigations. I mean, that is almost as simple as a button click and the speed to do that is is tremendous. So that has been, you know, I'd say a huge improvement that I think probably all of us in the incident response community have seen and same for our clients. Um, but then the other benefit we get out of that as well is um, Verizon had announced that we've got a um, a pretty extensive partnership with Amazon Web Services as it relates to our 5G mech capabilities. Um, and so that actually goes one step further and says we not only have the ability to pull data at incredible speeds over 5G, but our 5G radio is literally connected right to the edge of an AWS environment. So we can either push or pull data between, think of it as a cloud environment, over gigabit plus out of band, in and out of a customer environment, just as seamlessly as we would do anything else. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, um, I have to say uh, it's nice to hear uh, of a specific use case 
uh, for 5G. I think a lot for a lot of us, that's been a little fuzzy till now. So it's interesting to hear a specific description like that. Yeah. And I mean, that was something that our team was always looking for as we said, hey, this is fantastic. You know, it's, it's great for, you know, streaming more movies or all the other things people have talked about. But for us and my team, as it relates to security, that out-of-band piece is critical. I mean, I'll give you a, for example, we had an organization that was suffering a fairly massive incident and they needed some really bad help. And they were basically saying, look, they, they got to the point where they were basically saying that they were going to just shut down all of their internet connections worldwide. They said, look, we need to get this mm-hmm. under control before this gets worse. We're just going to shut down all of our internet connections. But then the next question they had was, how do we get all of the necessary incident response data now out of the environment? Trying to do that all via sneaker net is really just not feasible. And we said, well, we could drop in wireless connectivity. And so we did some proof of concept around some of these areas to be able to say, all right, let's see what we can actually move in and out. We can drop in some of these things in strategic locations where we know we already have the 5G infrastructure in certain cities to be able to essentially pull that data out. And so that proof of concept was fantastic for us. I expect that that'll be something that will be integrated more formally into you know, a lot of our offerings going forward, uh, especially as it relates to incident response. All right. Well, Chris Novak, thanks for joining us. And that's The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Don't forget to check out the Grumpy Old Geeks podcast, where I contribute to a regular segment called Security, huh? I join Jason and Brian on their show for a lively discussion of the latest security news every week. You can find Grumpy Old Geeks where all the fine podcasts are listed. And check out the Recorded Future podcast, which I also host. The subject there is threat intelligence, and every week we talk to interesting people about timely cybersecurity topics. That's at recordedfuture.com slash podcast. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Falecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. 
That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. 